The uh, scripture for today is found in Ephesians 4, chapter, chapter 4, verse 32. Ephesians 4, 32. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also forgave you. The title of our sermon today, Is There an End or a Limit to God's Forgiveness? As I began to study this, I um, was looking in my unabridged concordance and found that the word forgive, forgiveness, forgiving, all the related words, is mentioned um, 112 times. So it must be fairly important. Um, And the question then arises, what is forgiveness? Sometimes we can learn about the meaning of a word, an idea, by comparing it with the opposite of that word. And as I thought, what would be the opposite of forgiveness? Well, perhaps anger, hate, revenge. Um, in fact, as we'll mention later, there's now a disease called unforgiveness. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, and that certainly would be the opposite of forgiveness, would be unforgiveness. Uh, I was interested to find out that the the word forgive in English came to us from German, vergeben. Um, and we also got another word that's almost parallel, synonym, and that's pardon to pardon. Very similar meaning, almost identical. And that came to us from French, pardonner. But in both cases, they have this prefix for, which is not the preposition, it's a different word. And in Old English, it meant away, which we don't use that much anymore for that meaning. But when we put the two together, forgive had the meaning of giving away or putting away. And we'll see how that uh, comes into play. Uh, Literally, it meant to to give up completely or or to give away, as we mentioned. In Hebrew, um, there was two words. One was salach and the other was nasa. One was used mostly for divine forgiveness, almost uniquely, but not totally. And then the other one, the secondary one, was used for between people, one person forgiving another person. So they they would make that uh, distinction. Um, In Greek, the word actually was aphiemi, and it meant to forgive or to pardon, to remit or to give up a debt, forgive a debt. Well, what happens when a debt is forgiven. Let's say somebody has to declare a bankruptcy because of, let's say, medical bills. That happens a lot. (laughs) 
unfortunately. And let's say they end up owing 500000 or a million dollars in medical bills. They have no way in the world of paying it. So they can actually go to court and declare bankruptcy. And they, their debts are canceled or forgiven. But what happens actually to the debt? Does it just disappear into thin air? No, the ones holding the debt, the ones to whom the money was owed, are the ones who accept the loss. They realize it's not possible to be paid, so they accept the loss. And certainly that's what Jesus does for us when he forgives us. He takes our place. He takes our debt of sin, because the wages of sin is, is death, and in place gives us eternal life. He takes the burden of the debt to pay it for us. And on the cross, he went through the experience of the second death in place of us. Now, if a person says, no, thank you, not interested in God's plan, then that person will end up paying their own debt of sin, and they will die the second death uh, after the thousand years. Let's take a look at Matthew uh, chapter 6. Several very important verses there. And this, this raises the question, is God's forgiveness limited or is it conditional in some way? Okay, Matthew 6. And we're going to look at uh, verse 12 and then 14 and 15. This is the Lord's Prayer, and then Jesus' comment on it. Um, in verse 12, he says, uh, we, are, we are, you know, Jesus is giving us an example of how to pray, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. As a human being, um, I would have liked the Lord to just go ahead and forgive us and then him take care of the other forgiving the other people. I, I, that would be, seem like a whole lot easier. But here he says that we are to, he will forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors, others. And then he underlines this in verse 14 and 15. But if you forgive men their trespasses, your Father will also, Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, it seems almost a little harsh um, to, to our way of thinking that there's a limit or a condition to the forgiveness that God offers us. So, what happens? How, do, how does forgiveness work, divine forgiveness? It would seem there are at least two aspects to it. One is it must be received. And you remember that verse from John chapter 1, verse 12. But as many as received him, 
To them gave he the right or the power, authority in different translations to become the children of God, even to those who believe on his name. So it must be received. A offer of a pardon, if, if it isn't received, does us no good. Because God respects our power of choice, we could actually say, no, I don't want your forgiveness. God will be very sad, and we'll be very foolish, but God honors our power of choice. But then, in order for it to make this forgiveness a reality in our hearts and lives, God is asking us to, as it were, pass on to share what he has given to us. There's a beautiful comment, commentary on this, in the book Christ Object Lessons, chapter 19. It says, we are not forgiven because we forgive, but we are forgiven as we forgive. The ground of all forgiveness is found in the unmerited love of God. But by our attitude toward others, we show whether we have made that love our own. Let's take a look again in Matthew about the story of of a parable talking about the limits of forgiveness. That'll be chapter 18. And uh, beginning with verse 21. And um, here we go. You remember the uh, Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Well, the Pharisees said you only had to forgive three times. So Peter's answer was actually pretty good. I kind of liked it, you know, seven times. And that seems like enough. Um, But Jesus said, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. How much is that? 490. Does that number ring a bell? Does that show up anywhere else in Scripture? Yeah, wasn't that the time of Israel's probation until, you know, they could either choose to continue to be the people of God or not, and they chose not to as a nation. Um, 70 times 7. Well, do you suppose that if I were to forgive someone 490 times, do you think I'd actually be counting? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> um, because I, mean, I could. I mean, I said, okay, this is 490, now watch out. You know, 491 is not going to work anymore. But that's not the point of what Jesus was saying. We must be willing to forgive. And then he tells this parable, rather unusual story, um, continuing the same chapter. It says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, he, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. That was a lot of money. 
Uh, one talent, particularly if it was gold, was today be worth millions of dollars. Um, so this person somehow got into really, really big-time debt. Not sure how that happened. Um, and, but as he was not able to pay, the master commanded that he be sold and his wife and children and all that he had that payment should be made. Now you may be wondering, how is he going to get paid if he sells them off or sends them to prison? Well, maybe they would bring a pretty good price on the slave auction, I'm not sure. But later we see in the story that it was actually quite common. If somebody couldn't pay the debts, remember it happened in the Old Testament, and the lady said, you remember told the prophet, they're going to come take my son if I don't pay the debt that my husband left before he passed away. Um, But what happened, these were working prisons. (laughs) They put them on a chain gang, and they were out on the road, and they would pay them a little bit, and then they were supposed to, you know, work off the debt that they had uh, while they were still, you know, in a sense incarcerated. But it was quite different from prison today with color TV and, and all the other things that might might be there. Um, but the servant fell down before him and said, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Now we appreciate the, the person, the, the, the servant's willingness, but he probably really couldn't pay. Uh, he owed so much, he got in so deep. And um, so the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. Okay, the debt's forgiven, it's canceled. What happened to the debt itself? What happened to the money that now he doesn't pay back? The master absorbs the loss. He takes the loss. Um, But... That servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. That's a hundred days' wages. A, a typical day's wage was one one pence or a denarii. And laid hands on him and took him by the throat and said, "Pay me what you owe." So his fellow servant fell down at his feet, begged him, "Have patience with me, and I will pay you all." But he would not. Went and threw him into prison until he should pay the debt. So he, he sent him to a working prison going to send him to a working prison. But when the fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved, came and told their master all that had been done. And the master, after he called him, said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt that you begged me. Should not you also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had had pity on you? And his master was angry. Delivered him to the torturers. I assume that meant they set him off to work on the Chain Gang uh, at prison uh, until he should pay all that was due. So, my Heavenly Father also will do to you. If each of you found from his heart does not forgive his brother, his trespasses. Um, An amazing story of a man who was forgiven and then was unforgiven. He lost out. He lost out completely because of his unwillingness to pass on uh, the, the blessing. 
So, the question is, why forgive? Well, we could say, well, God told us to. Just say you're sorry. Sorry. That sometimes happens with children. But that doesn't cut it. That's not the kind of heartfelt forgiveness, desire for for forgiveness um, that, or being willing to forgive that God is talking about. In fact, in verse 35, we just looked at there, chapter 18, Matthew, it speaks of this. So my heavenly Father also will do to you. In other words, he's going to unforgive us if we are not willing to pass on the forgiveness to others. And from the heart, so just saying sorry won't won't work. It's the heart part of it that truly matters. Are there hidden blessings in the heartfelt true spirit of forgiveness? There's a something called you can look it up online, the International Institute of Forgiveness. And uh, what they do, they are teaching forgiveness, how to forgive. They actually treat the disease of unforgiveness, and they also explain, and other related um, organizations, there's quite a few of them, explaining what forgiveness is not. Um, And I want to share some of the things that they discovered. Um, been a lot of research by medical doctors and others. And um, forgiveness creates a higher quality of life, a healthier body, a more positive attitude. A certain, a certain doctor in Wright, researcher, has scientifically proven that these and other therapeutic benefits of forgiveness through his studies. And what they found is that uh, when forgiveness, true forgiveness, is given, offered, it reduces anger, anxiety, depression, PTSD symptoms, with increased hopefulness about the future, self-esteem, and willingness to forgive. In fact, if you look on the uh, health website, which is quite well known, called webmd.com, look up a lot of stuff on there, you'll be interested to find that it says if you can if you can bring yourself to forgive, you are likely to enjoy lower blood pressure, stronger immune system, drop in the stress hormones in your body, reduced back pain, stomach problems, headaches may disappear, reduce the anger and bitterness, resentment, depression, etc., etc. Um, in fact, they've also felt found out that forgiving yourself. That's important, too, to forgive ourselves and others can lower our stress, boost our mental health, um, and even impact and improve our immune system. Um, The uh, Cancer Institute, the Cancer Centers, I'm sorry, Cancer Centers of America, and they're quite a large organization, which are rather unique because they're approaching cancer with a kind of a total approach. Um, 
rather than just traditional treatments. They're, they're using the whole spectrum, and I'll read you a part of what they do. Um, they, they use exercise. They have an exercise therapist. They have a family doctor. They have a radiation oncologist. They have a medical oncologist. They have a surgeon. They have a forgiveness therapist. Not interesting. Uh, a naturopathic doctor, acupuncturist, and a dietitian nutritionist, and a massage therapist. That sounds like a really complete program, and they're having uh, some wonderful success. Uh, Dr. Stephen Standiford, who works for them, he's a surgeon there, says it's important to treat the emotional wounds or disorders because they really hinder someone's reactions to the treatment, even the willingness to pursue treatment. Uh, according to the Duke University, University of Tennessee, Stanford University, all doing research in this area, said holding on to hurts, grudges, annoyances, pet peeves, old wounds, hurts the bodies, especially when the memories are triggered by current life events. Um, they confirm the psychological link between negative emotional states, like revengeful thinking, actions, and how it produces stress on the body. And they found that stress from revenge, hateful thoughts, also lowers the immune system, leaving people more vulnerable. And then um, there's a uh, website called P.S. I Love You, and it's people talking about how they felt after they were willing to forgive and actually forgave. Here's some of the comments. Forgiveness frees myself from burden and anger. Forgiving renders me weightless. If you've got anger and hatred and upset and all the stress, then you've got a burden. You're, you're carrying a heavy load. It says that uh, freedom, uh, forgiving is freedom from the strife that binds me, another person writing. I forgive so I can live. I forgive so that I can soar. Again, this this very common thread that suddenly when people forgive others and even themselves, suddenly they they feel a burden has been rolled off. And, of course, that's exactly what Jesus does for us. He says, uh, you know, we aren't designed to carry the burden of, of hate, anger, and sin. Uh, he is the one that takes the burden from us. It's mentioned in these writings, and they're kind of interdenominational, uh, that in most of the great religions of the world, um, forgiveness is a common, common theme. Um, forgiveness reduces anger and resentment and leads to improvement in personal relationships, family, friends, and community. Forgiveness has a way of cutting through our anger, disappointment, and resentment to give everyone a fresh start. As you forgive, you are set free. In the prison of resentment, it liberates us. It liberates us from a painful past for a brand new future. At the same time, those around us benefit because we are less likely to carry our anger into other situations. And uh, they've mentioned the names of people who talked about forgiveness and reaching out, such as Mother Teresa. Mahatma Gandhi, Mandela, Martin Luther King Jr. 
Um, and then Dr. Peter, uh, Peter Bregan, another researcher, says forgiveness has no downside. A renewal of our capacity to forgive can only improve our inner life and empower us in every activity we undertake. Now, it's also uh, important to know a little more definite description of what forgiveness is and then what it is not. Um, like this, another uh, website uh, um, from Christian Counseling says so seven things forgiveness is not. Um, but they quote the text, you know, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone else. And then forgive as the Lord forgave you, Colossians 3.13. Um, and then they mention how Christ has, has forgiven us, offered us forgiveness. And they mention that forgiveness is a choice. And then, just as important, things that forgiveness does not mean. Number one, forgiveness is not a feeling. In fact, most of the time, when we think about forgiveness, we may not feel like doing it. But if we ask the Lord, he will give us the desire to forgive. Um, it's, it's a choice. Forgiving does not mean the same as trust. Often when something really negative has happened and we have been hurt very badly by somebody else, obviously we hope to be able to rebuild the bridges, but that may not be possible, particularly if the other person isn't responding. Um, we may not be able to build the trust or at least the relationship may not remain the same. And we know this from Scripture because we ask the question, when Adam and Eve sinned, did God forgive them? Did he offer forgiveness? Yes. Did they receive the forgiveness? Yes. But did things change? Drastically. Everything was different. Um, they were put out of the garden. In their case, they... they uh, uh, lost out on eternal life um, or given provisional life um, and yet offer the gift of salvation ultimately again. But everything changed. The direct communication with heaven was, was broken. Um, and the whole sin package entered into this world and everything was different and death entered. So things were not as they were before. But nevertheless, Christ stepped in to build the bridge and to ultimately restore. Um, forgiveness does not necessarily mean reconciling, although we would hope that could be possible um, in human relationships. Forgiveness does not heal in a single moment. Sometime we've been hurt so badly, or someone else has been hurt so badly, that it takes time. Even when there's a willingness to forgive, um, on both sides and to receive forgiveness, it still can take time. Because we say healing takes time. When Beverly broke her kneecap, it's taking a lot of time for that to heal. And that's true with emotional wounds as well. Forgiving is not forgiving. 
I'm sorry, forgiving is not forgetting. This phrase, oh, you know, forgive and forget, didn't come from the Bible. Not in the Bible. Now, sure, the God says, you know, the, the sins that he has forgiven, he'll throw them into the, you know, to the bottom of the sea. Um, uh, you know, he'll put him behind us. He treats us as if we hadn't. But that doesn't mean he's suddenly got amnesia. Because if God actually forgot everything he forgave us of, when we end up in heaven by his grace, he would say, well, what are you doing here? You know, why are you here? So no, it's not talking about amnesia. Um, but what God is saying, I'll put that in the past. I will choose to treat you without that being between us, whatever happened. And when in human relationships, when we say, yeah, we don't forget what happened, but we say, okay, I forgive you, we're moving that out of the way. So it's no longer interfering with our emotional vision. Forgiving is not excusing the offense. Let's say, in fact, there's been cases back in uh, Fiji Islands, I believe it was, there was a family that most of the family was murdered. They were Adventists by some man. And um, he was arrested. He was put in jail for life. But the survivor of that whole situation um, the one member of the family that survived, and I've forgotten if it was a man or a woman, I think it was a woman, um, a girl, that's right, it was a girl. Um, she eventually saw that God wanted her to offer forgiveness to that man in jail. And so she actually went to him, took some time, but she went to him and told him that God was willing to forgive him if he was asked for forgiveness, and they would forgive him as a family. So she was the one that was left as a community. But that does not mean they were condoning the event. They were not excusing the event. It was still a crime. So what was going on? They were letting God lift up the anger, the hurt, the the resentment, the natural desire for revenge, and handing that over to God. Because God says, revenge is mine. I will take care of it. I will take care of it. Um, uh, it says give place or give way move out of the way of wrath Um, so forgiveness is not the same oh don't worry about it not at all now we might say that if somebody forgets they owe us a dollar but when we're talking about serious stuff we're not excusing the offense Um, we are simply saying that we recognize that God can offer forgiveness to them And if we, by his grace, and it's only by his grace, offer forgiveness to that person, saying, I choose not to hate you, to seek personal revenge, then we open the doors of a relationship. Um, Forgiveness does not interfere with the pursuit of justice. 
I just read a story about a young man, I think a teenager, maybe a college student, who was killed and uh, murdered. Um, And the father of that young man, who of course was totally brokenhearted, realized that he needed to reach out to that family because when there is a crime, there's victims on both sides, both against whom it was committed and the perpetrators. And so he eventually went to the grandfather of the man who, young man who committed the crime and told him that he was forgiving them because God wanted him to, was forgiving him, forgiving his family, as it were, forgiving, seeking to forgive the young man, and wanted to, to build a friendship with the family because they needed to heal. They needed to heal. And so over time, the father of the crime victim and the grandfather of the perpetrator became close friends sharing in their common grief. And when things like that happen, I recognize that that's a God thing. That's a divine act because we don't naturally react that way. We want to pay back. We want revenge. We want to, you know, somebody bothers us, we want to bother them back. Um, and to be able to 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 deal with these impossible situations is only possible by the grace of God. Our verse that we started with, Ephesians 4.32, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also forgave you. This is part one. A few weeks down the road, I would like to continue with part two. And part two, we'll spend on the aspect of forgiving the unforgivable. How does that happen? Why does God do that? Is forgiveness fair? Is it just? And look at it from the, from the, from the Bible and some real-life experiences, both from the Scripture and in the world today, of what happens and how it happens through Christ that we can forgive the unforgivable. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of worship, for the privilege of study, for the privilege of your word, for the power of your divine forgiveness. And teach us, Lord, day by day, to share that forgiveness with those around us. And we know it's only truly possible in your name we ask. Amen.